work with, don't call me pastor until I'm pastor. Uh, Brother Caleb is fine. But it is, very, it is very humbling to hear that title with the name and then to also see friends um, who I grew up with to also hear that same title next to his name. And um, what a blessing. If you have your Bibles this evening, if you go to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter number 79. I've already had a lot of tears on this trip, so let's not have any more for at least tonight. Psalms chapter 79 and verse number 9. Read two verses, verse 9 and verse 10. And then we'll look at this chapter for the next few moments. The Bible says, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of Thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for Thy name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed. I'd like to speak just for a few moments on the topic of representing our God. Representing our God. Our Heavenly Father, please fill me with your spirit. Help me to say only what you would have me to say. I pray that it would be a blessing and encouragement. I don't know what everyone is going through in their own life. I don't know what battles they are facing, what valleys they are facing, what trials they are in the middle of. I don't know if the sun is shining for them or right now maybe the rain is falling. But we know that you are still on the throne and we know that you are still in control. And so I pray that maybe something that's said tonight would be a blessing uh, to someone. I pray that everything that's said and done would bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at the beginning of this chapter, Psalm 79, we'll see that Jerusalem has been destroyed by Babylon. And this chapter is written in the same mindset as Jeremiah when he wrote in Jeremiah 10.25. Let's just go over there just for a quick moment. Jeremiah chapter number 10. Jeremiah chapter number 10 and verse number 25. Jeremiah writes, Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not on thy name, for they have eaten up Jacob and devoured him and consumed him and made his habitation desolate. Look at verse number 6 in Psalm 79. Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. So it is the, the same chapter written by Asaph here in Psalm 79 is written in the same mindset, the same tone or tune of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter number 10. First of all, we see the terrible condition of the people of God at this time in verses 1 and verse number 5 there in Psalm 79. Let me get back to my place. O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The inheritance had been defiled. The inheritance that God had given to Israel, Canaan land, that had all been defiled and turned to wrong. We see that the holy temple had been defiled, God's house. We see that the people of God have been destroyed, Israel, and many of those people are dead. 
They were unburied and so very humiliated even in their death. Oftentimes, the enemies in, in, in this day, when they would go into a country to besiege it and, and destroy the country, if they wanted to deliver extra humiliation on that country, they would kill the people and just leave their bodies out. They would not bury them. And that is what has happened here in Psalm 79. They became a reproach to their neighbors. They were a disgrace. Look at verse number 4. Well, let's look at verse number 3 too. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to them that are round about us. We see a prayer to God to provide relief and forgiveness in verses 6 to verse number 12. In verse number 6, they were begging God to punish the heathen. These heathen would have been the enemies of God. These were the people who were anti-God in their lifestyle, their communication, and their actions. They worshipped the false gods. They participated in the ungodly activities. They lived a life of self-indulgence and self-gratification. I think there's many times that we as Christians fall into that same category. May we not be as the heathen. May we not follow after activities that, uh, that, that support self-indulgence and that are ungodly activities. May we not have false idols and false gods in our life. Israel was praying for forgiveness. They were praying that God would no longer remember their iniquities. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That same prayer that Israel was making in Psalm 79 is for us today in 2023. If there is sin in our life, we have the ability as a Christian to go before the throne of grace and beseech our Heavenly Father through the mediator Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness of our sins. And we should be. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. In verse number 9, they recognize that only God could provide their salvation. Look at what it says. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of Thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for Thy name's sake. In verse 8, they were brought very low. Turn back a page, if you're there. Oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercies speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. One way or another, our sin will bring us low. One way or another, my failure to be righteous, my failure to be just, my failure to be a godly husband, a godly father, one way or another, my sin, my anger, my pride... My, my wicked thoughts, my lying, my deception, my anger, it will bring me low eventually. Be sure your sin will find you out. And you don't want God to be the one to bring you low. And in this case, Israel had been brought very low, and it was by God Himself. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Much of Israel's problem was pride. They wanted what they wanted. They, didn't, they weren't concerned about what God had said, about putting no other gods before them, and 
bowing down to any graven images or making any graven images. They were concerned about numero uno, me, myself, and I. And this pride eventually brought them low. Finally, in verse number 10, I saw this yesterday, and I had never really seen it before, and it, was, it stuck out to me. It's this question. Sometimes in the Bible, the punctuation marks stick out to me. Have you ever seen winky faces in the Bible? Winky faces in the Bible? How many of you have ever seen? Come on, come on, come on. Be honest. Winky faces in the Bible. I remember when I was a teenager, I used to underline the winky faces just so it would stick out a little bit more. Whenever I'd then be going through my Bible, I'd see the winky face, the semicolon and the parentheses, the ending of the parentheses of the sentence. This question mark, though, in verse number 10, really stuck out to me because it's right underneath the first line in my Bible. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is their God? Can you hear the heathen mocking the God of Israel? Where is their God? Can you hear the doubt in the heathen? Oh, yeah, we heard about the God of Israel and how he divided the Red Sea and then split the Jordan River and they walked through on dry ground and they walked around the walls of Jericho and then they had their problem in Ai with the sin in the camp, but then God still gave them the victory and all of these victories that Israel had and all the kings and the successes and the battles that they had conquered the enemies of God, but now the enemies of God are saying, where is their God? We only know about this God that has given them victories and given them successes and allowed them to see such greatness happen in their country. But now the heathen's saying, where is he? Where did he go? Psalms 94 and verse number 1. Let's go there just a couple pages into the future. Israel was praying that God would punish the heathen. The Bible says, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Where is their God? The heathen's crying out. And much, much of it was self-inflicted. In fact, all of it was self-inflicted by Israel. Israel had caused God to have to go away because God cannot... God cannot be involved in sin and wickedness. He has to turn away from that. I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curseth thee. As he told Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12, a part of the Abrahamic covenant. And now Israel is no longer blessing God. Israel has fallen into sin and they have, they have enjoyed it. They have reveled in it. They have, they have loved the sinfulness. God had to turn away. But now Israel's been brought low. They've been humiliated. They've been humbled. And now Israel is crying out to God. They're crying out for forgiveness of their sins. They're begging God to punish the heathen, to chase away the heathen. In verse number 11, the people were concerned for their brothers and sisters who had been taken captive and enslaved by the heathen. Let the sign of the prisoner come before thee. 
according to the greatness of thy power, preserve thou those that are appointed to die. You look around our world and you see very many prisoners enslaved by sin, enslaved by the world, enslaved by what they want and how they want to get it done, enslaved by money. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of it. In Uganda, I see so many people enslaved by religion. They know God. They know Jesus. They read the Bible. But they've never accepted Him as their personal Savior. You can look around and you can see very many prisoners who are just waiting to die and go to hell. Because at the end of the day, if... If, if someone has not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we know from Scripture that their eternal destination is hell. It's a very sobering thought. Can I say in the extreme moments of life, when the walls are closing in, and these brothers and sisters of, of Israel, these people that had been taken captive, even in challenging circumstances, in trying times, that God is still there. God is still there. Let's see what Paul has to say in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. If there's someone who knows about going through challenges as a Christian, it would be the Apostle Paul. I was at the Mori Nissan dealership in Coquitlam today getting some brakes replaced for my dad on the car. And I had finished my last preparations, and this guy says, are you a pastor? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm actually a missionary. Anyways, long story short, his name's Andrew. And he sat there and talked to me like we had been friends for life for about 20 minutes. He was telling me about some challenges that he has faced in his life and family members who have betrayed him and health problems. And it was just amazing that I don't know this guy, he doesn't know me, and I believe God sent him to confirm something for me for tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 8. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength. They didn't have any more strength to go forward. They were at their lowest point. They were weak. Paul said, hey, we didn't want you to be ignorant of it. We wanted to tell you, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. Hey, there's a hashtag right there, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Israel at their lowest point, they had been brought low. It was their own fault. They had sinned. They had done wickedly. They had turned their back on God. Now they recognized we can't do it on our own. They got on their hands and knees. They were begging God for forgiveness to purge them from their sins. They were praying that God would enable himself to take care of the heathen and destroy the wicked and bring resolution God was there for them 
But Israel had failed to represent God properly. And that's why the heathen were asking, where is their God? How can we represent our God? Number one this evening, keep God's house holy. Keep God's house holy. In verse number one, O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. Israel allowed the heathen to infiltrate God's house. God's house had been defiled. And I believe that you can look at this in two ways. Number one, the temple of God, the church. May we not defile God's house, the church. But secondly, I believe the temple of God, your body. May we not defile our body. Context tells us in Psalm 79 that this particular passage is in reference to God's temple, in reference to the Old Testament gathering place. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse number 17 that we are the temple. And he goes further in verse number 19 of chapter 6 that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's what our bodies are. When the devil gets to God's house, our influence is weakened and our light is dimmed. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify our Father which art in heaven. Keep God's house holy. Secondly, protect your home. Protect your home. Verse number 7, For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. In reference to verse number 1, Jacob's inheritance had been devoured. In many ways, Jacob's children would have been a part of this inheritance. The heritage of Jacob or inheritance of Jacob would be revealed through his children and in his children. Let's go to Psalms chapter number 127. Psalms 127, verse number 3. The Bible says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. We can be proper representatives of God by doing our very best to protect our home. My personal prayer in my own life is that I would as a father, as a husband first, and then as a father, that I would do my very best to protect my home spiritually. At some point in the future, man, that's, that's a long time from now, but at some point when my son, Carson, goes out of the home and now he's making his own decisions as a man, he goes out uh, prayerfully, he marries a godly girl, maybe he goes to Bible college first and then serving God somewhere, whether it's in the ministry or serving in a church, he will have to make his own decisions. But while he's in my home, my prayer is that I would do my very best to protect him spiritually. Stay faithful to your Bible reading and prayer time in your home, parents. Don't miss. Consistency is so big, even in a four-year-old. We began, we began teaching Carson about music, even at four. And in Uganda, there, I was watching a soccer, a football match, sorry, a football match, a soccer match, and uh, it came on to a commercial, and usually I mute it or I turn it because I don't know what's coming on. Usually it's a beer commercial in, in Uganda. And some music started playing and immediately Carson said, Daddy, that's yucky music. Turn it off. Four 
years old. I was reaching for the remote. Okay, I was. I didn't get there fast enough. Stay faithful, though. You train them now when they're young, and we train them now when they're young, and as they are getting older, they will remember those lessons that mom and dad taught them. They will remember the men and the ladies in the church at Metro Baptist who were faithful to the things of God. They will remember seeing the Sunday school teachers. They will remember seeing the ushers. They will remember. Stay faithful. Protect your home. Thirdly, pray for forgiveness. In verses 8 and 9, Oh, remember not against us former iniquities, the past. Let thy tender mercy speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of thy name. And deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. We need to pray for forgiveness personally on an individual basis. We need to be praying for forgiveness on a family basis. We need to be praying for forgiveness for our nation. Now, I want God's blessings on my life just like I know you want God's blessings on your life. I want God's power in my decision making. I want God's wisdom. But if I haven't confessed my sins, I am quenching the Holy Spirit of God. I am handicapping God's abilities in my life. But lastly, in verse number 13 of the chapter, we want to be representatives of God. We better be thanking God for our victories and defeats. Verse number 13, So we, thy people, and sheep of thy pasture, will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Paul told the church in Thessalonica, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. May we be very careful to always point back to God in thanksgiving. And especially in these times, in these seasons of thanksgiving. I, it, honestly, it did not hit me that I'm actually going to get to celebrate Canadian thanksgiving in Canada. It's been a long time since I was able to do that. May we be very careful to always point back to God. I, in closing, I, I often think of sports players. You know, when they cross home plate or they score a goal or they get a touchdown. Pointing up to God or the sky, you know, some higher being. You know, in, in many ways, when I see that, it's so habitual, it's so ritualistic. It's hard to know if an athlete is truly genuine or if he's just doing it because he was, you know, taught it as a child. But may we as Christians... Be genuine in our thanksgiving. Recognizing that we cannot be doing what we're doing right now except through God's power. We want to be representatives of God. We need to keep His house holy. Our church, our bodies. We need to protect our home. Guard your children. Fathers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as Paul told the church at Ephesus. We should be praying for forgiveness. Don't let your sin account build up. We need to stay humble and admit when we have sinned. And we should be thanking God in all times because He deserves all the praise and all the glory. God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has never moved. He is steadfast. If the world cannot see God, it's not God's fault. God's still there. God's still standing in the shadows. 
He's still waiting there. But he uses us as Christians to be his representatives, and we need to be better. I need to be better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have a promise that it will not return void. I do pray that as father, as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a son, as a grandparent, as an uncle, an aunt, as a Christian, as a worker, as an employee, employer, that we would be better representatives of you. I pray that we would keep our house holy, our church, our bodies, that we'd be looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. I pray that we would seek forgiveness of our sins, Lord, that we would praise you and thank you for our victories and even our defeats.